Hi everybody and welcome to the latest episode of the End of Sales podcast. I hope you're all well who's listening. Then again to be joined by my co-host John. How are you? Yeah, I'm good Stephen mate. How are you doing? I'm good man, I'm good. And two show regulars, William and Anthony. How are you both? All good man. Yeah, all good mate. Glad to be back on. Great to have you back on and talk all things Celtic and of course obviously what we've seen, I mean first day we record this and it's been quite a busy day. We've seen today that Lee Griffiths has signed a new one-year extension and we've also seen Celtic make the signing of Ozazi Yogidi, a young Dutch-born centre-back, planned his trade for Sheffield Wednesday and we've signed him for a cross-border compensation fee, probably about 200000 but again, it fits in the model that Celtic are using, kind of buying young and probably trying to sell them on the future and the profit, but We'll get into all that during the show. What we're going to start with today is the legacy of Peter Lowell at Celtic. Obviously, this week, I think it was today, actually, guys, wasn't it? That Dominic Mackay took official charge as the chief executive of Celtic. Peter Lowell's left office. And I suppose it's, it's kind of um, one of them ones where you're thinking to yourself, what has he done? What's he left behind? Because many fans are of the belief that he meddled too much. He got involved in the first team affairs. And to be honest, that's probably true especially as we all seen during Brendan Rodgers' time. But in 2003, he was appointed as the financial controller of Celtic, basically the, the do-with-all-things do kind of financial side of things, look after the business. And by all accounts, he did that, Anthony. But latterly, towards the end of his career, he kind of did start meddling the first-team pitcher, caused a few upsets, we lost transfers and things like that. What's your overall take of Peter Royal as a legacy left behind the Celtic? Um, uh, I'm just genuinely relieved that he's it's a, a feeling of relief similar to what it was like just when there was an announcement confirmed that we had a manager eventually uh Stephen just an overwhelming sense of it's finally officially and uh, the Lowell era is in the, the history books and I'm sure you know 17 years he's been in the post he's obviously going to gather lots of opinion um I have to say and probably you know understandably so most of it has been, you know, overwhelmingly positive and, and well-wishing and all that sort of thing. And I would reiterate the, the well-wishing part of it, you know, but I hope he, you know, wish him well and whatever he goes on to do. But for me, this has been a departure that is many years too late. Um, there is obviously not really an argument against it. Yes, he, he kept the club on a, a sound footing. But, you know, really, considering how long he'd been in the post and considering the the talents that the man is supposedly possesses, um, that's you know that's really root and branch. It's a bit like when Roy Keane, you know, gets asked to praise a goalkeeper. You know, is that, is that not his job, um, to keep the the club on a sound financial footing? And you could make a very strong case for, um, perhaps a bit a little bit more action rather than meddling would have seen us on a far stronger financial footing because we would have been better prepared for the uh, Champions League campaigns. Which, let's be honest, I would say since probably even around the, the Mowbray era, the Neil Lennon era, when the, it became sort of routine for us to have to qualify for the Champions League rather than just, you know, I think under the the years uh, of Gordon, um, when probably in his, his first stint, at, in a real kind of stint at the club, um, I think there was only maybe one or two years where we only had to maybe play a playoff round. So we still had a, a large part of the summer to prepare for it, uh, for, for that match. But ever since then, even in the years that we've actually qualified, we have not went into these um, campaigns anywhere near full strength. There was even the ridiculous year of, uh, although incredible, we actually did manage to qualify um, what turned out to be Lenny's final season. Um, every we, we played three qualifying rounds that year and actually weakened the team. We sold a player 
after every round, rather than try to strengthen for the playoff round, we were actually um, selling players um, and not replacing them with uh, like for like quality. Um, listen, I'm, 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 he's a businessman, a hard nosed businessman, very good financially. I, I, I can't, I don't have any arguments against that. But when you look at his report card, that that, that so many seem to not want to do. They only want to focus on the steady financial footing and, and all this. Um, and they, they talk about the record profits. Let's be, let's get one thing straight here. It is not Peter Lowell that got a hundred million through the door, uh, through the tills. Sorry, in the Invincible season, that was the work um, and results of a manager who he basically undermined from the the word go. Um, he then basically, you know, made that man's position untenable and replaced him uh, and with Neil Lennon um, and left all the applications, many applications with high quality candidates um, for him in the drawer and admitted they didn't even look at them. So, you know, that's supposed to be a guy running the club. That's supposed to be a guy with all the, you know, quote unquote due, due diligence. Um, he is also, but, but the biggest, biggest mistake um, or, or or stain on his name uh, for me is his either inability or just generally not wanting to be involved or unwillingness, uh, shall we say, to try and bring about any kind of modernisation of the SFA. Um, he has allowed the body parts of Rangers Football Club to essentially outdo him in a season of all seasons. For a guy who's supposedly a world-class we know, you know, some sections of our support would have you believe we should be on our knees, you know, just worshiping this man twenty four seven. We're so lucky to have him, and yet, with every sporting advantage that you could ever hope to have going into a history defining season, um, it was over before we were wishing each other a happy Christmas. Um, so I wish him well. I and I'm, of course, you know, seventeen years, he's obviously going to be one of those people that are spoken about um, as the years go down. There seem to be plenty of people willing to, you know, point out his good points. So I'll leave that up to them. And um, I'll, I'll just, you know, I'm just glad it's done. And whatever you get up to in the future, Peter, please just do it as far away from Celtic Park as possible. I think you make great points because the financial side of things, as you said, that record-breaking season, the £100 million turnover, that wasn't him. That was the, the work of that team at the time. We had a, a world-class coach in Brendan Rodgers who managed us through that period and that brought in the revenue. And coming to, coming to yourself, Wyndham, I think Anthony made great points. And it's like, you, you look at as well, the field transfer days, um, Stephen Fletcher, who goes as far back as that, John McGinn, Ivan Tony more recently. And people say, don't dwell on these things. But these three players, yes, it's looking back with hindsight, but they would have improved the Celtic squad dramatically. And especially in the season of all seasons, as Anthony alluded to, Tony, look at the form he had with Brantford. And yes, we don't know if he would reproduce that for us, but you kind of guess he would with the chances Celtic create in the Scallies League anyway. Do you, what is your feeling towards him? I don't, I don't know. I, my personal opinion is I can see in terms of the business side of things he's looked after Celtic, but as Anthony alluded to, alluded to modernisation of the football club has been kind of left behind, hasn't it? Yeah, um, I'm glad you've actually made the points before you come to me because I'm not a massive. Uh, fan of the whole political side of the game. Uh, Tony and John, are, they'll they'll talk all day about law and the, and that sort of side of things. And I'm more I I like to concentrate on the football. And in saying that, 
if you're just taking that perspective, then it's I, f- I feel similar to Tony uh, about him leaving now because he has meddled. You've made the points about McGinn and Tony. Uh, I mean, the, the list is as long as your arm, uh, especially with the fact that we're talking about how well off we are now financially and we're probably in the best position we've ever been in the past however many years and these deals have slipped through our fingers over pennies is uh, is what it seems if you if you believe the stories. So, like I said, the football inside of things and you're just looking at it from that perspective, he's far too involved. I mean, I know that's... It seems to be the modern way. If you look back to when when I was a boy growing up and watching football in uh, even the eight, the 90s and far back as the 80s, I don't think you would even know who... You couldn't even name who a chairman was or a chief executive. or like They weren't even... They were just in the background. Now it seems they're much more part of the forefront in modern football, um, as big as the, the manager in some cases. Uh and I don't think that's right from a footballing side of things. And for me, he's meddled far too much in that side of things. Yes, we say, obviously, he's played a big part in the, the, the financial aspect. And like I say, we're in a very good position at the moment. But like Tony says, that that's that's his job. That's what he's paid to do. So, I mean, like we don't get praise every day for doing what we're paid to do. So I can understand that as well. I think also... Tony made great points about the fact about his longevity in the job. Uh, uh, I've made no secret of the fact that this side last season I felt was stagnant and it was like a, if it's not broken, don't fix it. But you need to bring in fresh fresh people, need to have fresh ideas. And uh, with Don McKay coming and it seems like that's the case and it's, it's very exciting. Uh, so, yeah, like Tony, uh, all our best wishes, Peter. Thanks, but um, it's, it's it's only looking up and looking forward and and excitement back in the place again. Yeah, I think it'd be great points. And I, I think you're right when you say, John, and obviously this is our specialised area. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I love getting stuck into the board, but coming to your, yourself, John, what's your, your take on the whole Lowell kind of era, what he's left behind at Celtic? I mean, what was the 17 years of the job? That's too long for anybody, especially in a top position. But where are you coming from in this one? Yeah, I have to agree with pretty much every point that Anthony made. Um, but no surprise that I do either. Uh, like I said, I've been very critical with Peter uh, over the years. Um, but let me just outline this as well. Yes, we touched on that it's his job, and that's what he's paid to do. But some people do their job as well, some others don't. The fact that he managed to stay in his job for 17 years is testament to the job he did do as a CEO and the financial side of things because, like William alluded to as well, we're as good as we've ever been in terms of our finances uh, and largely that plays a large part to the job that Lowell's done behind the scenes uh, and he should be thanked for that because it could have been much worse. Um, he's also redeveloped the, I mean, the small things, but the redevelopment of the entrance to Celtic Park with the Celtic Way uh, the Lennox Town Training Centre, uh, all things that have happened and opened up under his tenure as well. So, I mean, th- there's certainly some things that I would see as positive. Uh, and if you look at the side that he's done as a CEO, the, the job that he, he was brought in to do, uh, he, he's done a fine job. But ultimately, 
his failings come where he began meddling uh, in the other side of things within the club. Uh, transfers. Um, there's been some good signings coming through the doors um, that we've benefited greatly from in terms of uh, the time that we've had it with them at the club and the, the money we've made from them. Um, but there's also been absolute disasters coming through the doors that haven't even so much as featured in the team or just have been a nightmare for day one. And um, the McGinn and Tony things as well uh, are obviously um, signs that um, it, his meddling was had a, a negative impact on the club because there's two well we know so much about Tony but we, we've seen McGinn and what he's turned into um, and we knew what he was capable of and we all wanted him as fans we all wanted him but we've, we've winced and scrimmed on, over by comparison in terms of the finances we've got available uh, it was nothing and the, these kind of decisions are what's hurt his relationship with Celtic fans I think it's his meddling and I think most Celtic fans would understand and agree that he's done a great job as a chief executive in his role as a chief executive and the financial side of things as I, as I touched on but it is ultimately his meddling uh, his involvement in the transfers dictating who were signing who were no signing no batting managers when it was required uh, and things like that that's hurt his relationship with, with Celtic fans and ultimately um, I think that that's tarnished his legacy essentially uh, as well um, because if, if he'd have just stuck to what he was supposed to be doing back the managers never left that, the signings never everything else up to them got the managers the guys they wanted and things like that um, I think he would have left Celtic way far greater uh, applause but uh, it is what it is um, I think that, that that reputation has been somewhat damaged his, his relationship with the fans has certainly taken a big hit Um and like I said, now that he's gone, um, I'm looking forward. Mackay seems like he's ready to come in and, and modernise the club, as we touched on the, the other day. Uh, and, and I'm excited to see where, where he takes us. And I'm really, I'm truly, truly hoping that him shadowing Law, it doesn't get into his head that it's his job to get involved in this side of things either. And he leaves that to the likes of Ange uh, and the scouts and stuff like that to determine the players and, and, and leaves it up to these guys to, to make these decisions and just back them, give them the guys they want and then hopefully uh, that relationship works. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're bringing me nicely on to my next point in terms of the influence going forward from Peter Lowell, but just before obviously we move on, I mean, there's some issues in terms of the legacy issues, Resolution 12, EBTs, that type of thing. They kind of got swept away by the board itself. They can kind of dominate McKay and her, that. And he officially took charge today as of today, the 1st of July and his first day in office in terms of being the actual chief executive, not just a shadow to Peter Lowell. And coming to yourself, William, like John made a great point. You need to know kind of from now onwards that Peter Lowell's influence is basically zero. We did hear in the press conference and the fan one, I think it was, that Peter, Peter Lowell will be staying on the European board. And I don't know if that's representing Celtic. So that, that kind of could be misconstrued unless that's actually clarified what kind of position is he's holding in there and then obviously Mackay did say that he's offered to be on the end of a phone if he ever needs a face now that is to be expected managers do that to each other all the time so it shouldn't be that different in the chief executive word but are you worried that Peter Lowell might still have a kind of influence over Dominic Mackay or do you think as we discussed in the last podcast this is Dominic Mackay's ship now yeah, I don't think so. I think it's I think the way Mackay was talking at all the press every time I've heard Mackay talking anyway, 
It's all about his ideas and how he wants to move these forward and I want to do this and that. I think he's fully in control and I don't think he would... Obviously, he can take advice and he's he's, he's saying all the right things, but he obviously needs to say that. The transition's been great and Peter's been great. And, but this is... This, yeah, you're, you're exactly on with that analogy. This is his ship now and he's steering it where he's wanting to go. Uh, I think... I believe every word he says. Uh, and... He, again, I think it's the right direction we should be going in. He seems like he's he's young and enthusiastic. Uh, and like I said b- before, these guys, chief executives and whatever other titles all these guys have got, seem to be at the forefront of everything, not just Celtic, but football clubs in general are doing with regards to media and, and all sorts. These guys are the forefront and Peter Lawler was not that man. Don McKay seems to be a much more friendlier face, much more approachable. Um, so I think he has his own visions, his own ideas, and he's going to implement them the way he wants to. We've seen and heard what he's done with Scottish rugby and how they've come on leaps and bounds. So, um, and also, change is good. Like I say, you, you've just said 17 years, that's a massive amount of time. Anybody's going to get stagnant in any sort of position doing that. Change is great. Everything's exciting. Everybody's enthusiastic at the moment. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to the season ahead, and I am looking forward to seeing what uh, the future, how the future unfolds with with Mackay at the helm. Yeah, I mean, it is a bit of optimism now that we can look forward to. And as you said previously, it, it brings a bit of a, a fresh excitement around Celtic Park now. But many fans obviously do believe because Peter Rowell is still kind of a, a shareholder in Celtic. He has a large shareholding anyway. And it is concerning, as I said to William there, that he is going to remain on the European board. But again, we don't know if that's for Celtic or for himself. Who would he, who would he be representing in that scenario? Is it a concern for yourself that Noel might still have an influence at Celtic? I, I don't imagine that he would probably have at Celtic, uh, to be honest. Like, like as well, he touched on, you know, Don, Don Mackay himself. He is a you know he's he's a big personality. You know, you don't you don't look at what he's what he's done and. Um, at Scottish rugby and for obviously and over in Japan as as, as well, um, you know he he doesn't strike me as the type of person that would, um, shall we say, you know, suffer you know that kind of interference um, gladly. Um, what I, I can't believe I'm actually saying this. It's maybe not actually the worst thing in the world that Peter Lawwell is still on the the, the board of of UEFA because that actually was a separate. It was a sort of separate role in itself, even when he was the chief executive at Celtic. So I would like to think that uh, even in that role, of course, he has to be neutral and, and carry out his, his duties um, uh, with, with a degree of neutrality. But anything that could, uh, any proposal that can help benefit clubs of uh, the, the kind of uh, the bracket that we're in, in the case of, you know, regular um, domestic uh, winners, that what and well, we have massive European history that always seem to be caught up in this never-ending uh, cycle of, of of qualifiers. Whilst um, you know, finish you know, it'll probably come to the point you finish fifth and sixth in some of the leagues down south, and suddenly you're in a, a competition called the Champions League. Um, and uh, having the likes of Peter Lawwell there, and you know, perhaps you know Edwin van der Sar at Ajax, who are you know have a similar uh, makeup, having the guys in there fighting their corners uh, going forward uh, could. Probably only only be a good thing as as well, um, but with regards to I mean, and, and as Wally said as well, you know, it, you would be foolish to think that 
Dominic Mackay, who can't pick the phone up and, and, and speak to him about this matter or that matter. Um, but I would imagine that when it comes down to the crunch, um, the final decision will be Dominic Mackay's and Dominic Mackay's alone. See, you touch uh, on I, that as well. Sorry, Stephen. See, you touch on this whole like picking up the phone and speaking to. It's not necessarily. It, it might not necessarily be for advice. It could be in the same situation. What did you do here? And it absolutely went tits up because I want to know what to avoid and do the opposite and not make the same mistakes you did. So it can work both ways rather than like uh, positive feedback. It can also be right. That was negative. For what? What did? What did we do? And what can we? How can we handle that situation? Situation differently. I mean, that's a great point. It could also be, is there any great chippies local to Celtic Park in the order? That type of thing. You, <laughs> you, you never know. But coming to your, yourself, John, obviously the guy spoke about it pretty well there, but you did touch upon it in, in your last kind of uh, statement in terms of letting Mackay do his own thing. Do you think that's the end of Lawwell at Celtic? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Um, I mean, I, I really hope that nothing, as I was saying, uh, just to elaborate on it a little bit further, um, Obviously, Mackay came into shadow um, loyal for a number of months before he's officially taken over the reins. What I don't want to see Mackay doing is uh, through shadowing him and, 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 and whatever else it was he was doing during that time uh, in, in terms of the advice he was receiving and things like that is picking up any of his habits um, or any bad habits uh, and things like that. Like... Um, I believe firmly that Mackay is going to. It's a it's a clean slate, like you say. Is this is your analogy was great, by the way. It is his ship now. Um, it's it's a fresh start, and I'm hoping he's going to just do things his own way. Um, but like I says, I want him to stick to the the CEO side of things. Um, leave the football inside to the the manager, the coaches, the scouts, and things like that. Um, and do what you need to do in terms of. Uh, the financial side and and promoting the club and media and fan media engagement like he's done I thought was great as we said the other day um, and modernisation bringing things up to date using other things like he touched on as well um, I'm hoping that, that, that that's going to be essentially his remit and that he sticks to it but I, I believe that that is going to be the case I, I can't I can't like you guys say I don't, I don't suspect he's going to be the type who's going to copy and make the same mistakes that the previous guy made like he says he, he, he speaks very assertively and in in the, just the way he says things as well it's all about his ideas and things like that like William and that said so yeah I, I believe it's it's Mackay's era now uh, and he's it's going to, everything he does is going to be on him I don't think it's going to fall back on or come back to law in any way I mean Lee's fan press conferences, conferences are definitely his idea I mean, you couldn't you couldn't imagine the scenario where Peter Rawls walking out with a mic, sitting in a chair, taking questions from the fans. That would that would no, never happen. Absolutely not. No and this is what we said. Me, me, and Williams, we, 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 the three of us spoke about this um, on the Tuesday podcast, um, and it was fantastic. And the club has been missing this for years. Um, it'd be interesting just to hear Anthony's take on it as well, though. Just while we've got him on, but I, I thought the the, the fan, uh, the media, the fan engagement. Uh, with, with the fan groups was fantastic and I really genuinely hope it's something that that we stick with uh, for a number of years especially as long as he's going to be there I'm hoping he, take, hoping he takes the fans concerns on board and gives us that voice things like that because we've been screaming for it for a long time Yeah Anthony what, what was your take on the family media press conference? Yeah I, I, 
totally agree. Um, I thought it was an absolutely brilliant idea. Um, I thought beforehand, uh, Postacoglu and uh, Dominic Mackay were answered absolutely brilliant in front of the, the media, facing the, the, the you know the the vultures for the first time. Uh, I thought they were absolutely fantastic. Really, you know, gave a good account of themselves and having you know situations where fans can talk directly to to the the heads of the table as it were i totally agree with john can only be a good thing and i cannot wait till we get our um invite through the, the post as well because i'll be there with bells on <laughs> can i just <laughs> can i just say why we're hanging releasing that and another thing that struck me uh, and I, I some i forgot to mention in the last one that even after we'd finished talking about it i'd wish i'd said so i'm just going to take the opportunity to know if that's all right that Whatever. the the first conference as we know where Bankier was there, uh, Mackay and Postecoglou was for essentially the your big broadcast media, um, and they 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 obviously got the first sight of them and, the, and they were first to ask questions. But second was the Celtic fan media, and then third, and this is the most important thing I think, was your newspapers and your 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 sorry your paper media and everything else. And you, you could tell by the articles that they were churning out at the time uh, following that, that they weren't happy about it. And they definitely see it as a threat. But I thought it was fantastic for Mackay to put the fans first. Uh, and they'll come to us last um, and then deal with all them first. Um, the fact that they were left to last put the biggest smile on my face because, as you know, I can't stand them. Like, I hate mm-hmm. newspaper media and they're all... It's just riddled with... I'm not going to go down this road, but... It, I, you know my, how strong my feelings are about them, and I, I, I don't think... I think they're all absolutely criminal, and they've never had a nice word to say about this club for years, and I think that Mackay's uh, option to, to give the, the fan media, Celtic fan media, a voice before the sort of print media was fantastic, and it's another thing I'm hoping that it sticks to going forward. We did see the next day the backlash from certain columnists in newspapers in regards to kind of pinpointing the Celtic fan media as embarrassing, all because they felt threatened. And just to, to move on slightly, the last point that Dominic Mackay anyway, he, during that pe- pre- the fan media one anyway, the, the, the press conference, there was some questions and stuff. He did dance around and he didn't really give a straight answer. But one thing he did say, which is truthful, he admitted that there was kind of no defined set structure in the way Celtic are moving forward. And he's looking at likes of Brentford, Salzburg, Ajax for the kind of examples. And he's, he's actively ringing these clubs to see what they're doing to see if it can be implemented in Celtic. And I'll come to yourself, Anthony, first for this one. I know at this stage, it is worrying for me, from my personal point of view, that I kind of Celtic have no strategy at the moment moving forward in terms of his director of football, technical director. And we did see that the chief sports science guy, uh, Lee Naylor, left. He's joined Leipzig. So... Is it concerning for you? Or are you kind of refreshed by Mackay's honesty during that? I wouldn't say I'm in, in, in full-blown uh, panic mode about it, Stephen, but what, what I would have preferred is, you know, perhaps in the, the you know the months leading up to us, I know we've obviously had the the you know the, the problems with, you know, the Eddie Howe situation that's maybe thrown us off course a bit, but I've, I don't have any issue with taking the time to implement whatever strategy it is we choose to adopt. I, probably would have just liked by now for us to have decided on which one that will be. Like you say, there's all different models and there's, there's more than one ways to, to skin a cat uh, or run a football club. Um, so yeah, I, I probably would like it as to be further down the line in, in that respect. 
But having said that, I'm sure we'll agree. The, the most, in terms of you know us fans, the most important position is that of uh, the manager, the manager of the first team. And from what I have seen so far, um, of course, it, it's not you know good press conferences that win you titles or you know win trust or, or, or whatever. It's, it's results on the pitch. But in terms of what he's had to face so far. I don't think I, even even those of us who was you know were quite concerned when it was clear this was the road we were going down. Um, I can't fault Ange Postecoglou. He he really impressed me. Uh, he's, he has impressed me these uh, first few weeks. Um, but yeah, like you say, I, I can I t- take your concerns. I think it would have been nicer for us to be perhaps a little bit further down the road on on that uh, matter. What what about yourself, Dylan, in terms of the structure? What way are you taking that? Because for me, as I said, Anthony, I am concerned in, t- in terms of it's taken this long because it's been a long process since Lenny left. We just announced the manager and we're still seeing heads of positions leaving Celtic Football Club. Um, I'm not going to get uh, too worried about it. I mean, like I said, he did sort of mention that there wasn't a, 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 like a specific plan in place, but you, you mentioned it. At the start there, before you came here, Anthony, the, the he's, he's contacting these. Now let's remember, um, Mackay's only just came in himself uh, as well oh, as Ange, um, okay. and yeah. But it, under Law and and the previous managers and that what were in, it was stagnant, right? And it was the same thing, constantly year in year out. It was the same thing. Nothing really seemed to progress in terms of that, um, and we don't know obviously what the inner workings a uh, Celtic Football Club are like. But the fact that he's come in and he's mentioned um, about modernisation, which he's touched on, and I, I mentioned a couple of these things about like analytics and, and stuff like that, and he's speaking to these other clubs, uh, and he, he's obviously got a focus on the youth system and things like that, and he's trying to develop things within Celtic Football Club and modernising that. Uh, and I think that comes into part of the structure. Uh, in terms of the management side of things, uh, as I said the other day as well, um, these things can take time, and I would rather that Ange and Mackay were bringing in the right people for the long term than rushing things for the sake of it. Um, if, they, if they're going to take time to, to sort of analyse the situation they're in, uh, their surroundings and everything else that comes with that, and then work to get the right people in the door, and that takes time, I would prefer that over just making panic judgments uh, and replacing certain guys like the sports science thing. It's like, so... Do you just rush a replacement in for him, or do you make sure you're getting the right guy in who's going to benefit the team and everything else, who, who, who works in tandem with the likes of Ange and his system and the way he wants his team playing that can benefit them and everything else. So there's a lot that comes with it, and I, I, I suspect these things take time. So I'm not overly concerned myself personally. Um, I'm just I'm 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 just hoping that the time that it's taken is going to benefit us greatly in the long term. Yeah, all you need now is see when you watch their films and it says four years later. That's how Celtic are at the minute. They appointed a head of head of recruitment. <laughs> I mean, if it's going to yeah, if it's going to take that, that's worrying. But I don't think it's going to take that long. But it may take a few months. It, yeah, no. in which case, like I says, these things happen, and it's it, it, like I don't. This might be a shite analogy, and I know you boys have been really good with analogies in recent weeks. But I mean, see if you're like, let's. I, I, do you know what? Forget. Go. <laughs> So I was just going to say, you know, like if you're building something, like let's say it's like one of these model ships or anything like that, something out of Lego, something big, right? It takes time to build it, but when it's done, it's an absolute masterpiece. And I'm sure that when we get the right pieces in, 
Farange in, in the back room and everything else. And once that, other things start moving in terms of development within the club and the modernisation and, and stuff like that, that we're going to be in the best position we've ever been in. And I think it's going to benefit us greatly for years. Well, I mean, your optimism is mad at the minute, John. I like it, to be fair, because it used to be in the negative one in terms of the Eddie Howe falling through, but fair enough. <laughs> but coming come to yourself, coming to yourself, uh, William, and give me something here, because these guys, I don't know what's going on with them, they're all chilled out at the minute, but do you share any concerns that I'm talking about in terms of the recruitment side of things and the sports science guy leaving? And John is right, it could take months to get them in and it could be perfect when they're when they're in position because we post the Coglu's men, so to speak, but it is kind of worrying looking around because we've got the manager in place and as Anthony rightly said, that's the most important part of the jigsaw puzzle. But come on, it's, there should be followed by kind of signs that they're recruiting in other areas too. Yeah, I, was, I don't know, Stephen. I, I tend to agree with the boys, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> like, like we've been saying, it's, don't forget, this is it's only today's only uh, Mackay's first official full day in charge. And he's obviously had his fa- his hands full with, and and Tony's re- quite rightly alluded to the fact that uh, even though it's taken, what feels like an eternity, the essential position that we need filled was the manager, and uh, I-, I think he's had his hands full with that. And with regards to like um, a plan of action and a strategy, I'm with John. I don't mind him taking his time and gathering information from. What's been successful at, at other massive clubs? Because uh, at the end of the day, this isn't this isn't a short term thing. This is a this is going to be a five year plan or a ten year plan. Um, the the things don't happen overnight. With regards to the staff and stuff, what you're saying, yeah, it's I'm I'm not massively worried, but it, it is slightly worrying. It might be the fact, like you're saying, that Ange is in and they're wanting they're wanting the manager's opinion on who he might be working with. Uh, at the same time, but I mean, first and foremost, we, we were needing the manager in, and because we've got him in now, I'm 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 as happy as can be. So you can't bring me down, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> You're the biggest Boston Cognitive fanboy there is at the moment. To be honest yeah. with you, William, I've got my pillow, his face coming. It's getting delivered this week, <laughs> so I can cuddle no, it at night. Susan will be happy with that. Uh, he's going right in the middle too. <laughs> <laughs> I do share your positivity. I've just come across there is other areas in regards to what needs kind of people in, right, right as of now and kind of recruitment and stuff. But moving on to pre-season, that's something that's coming thick and fast because that's going to lead on to the, the Champions League game against Midtjylland. And the first game we're going to have in the pre-season programme is Sheffield Wednesday. And funny enough, we've signed two players from them. Uh, Liam Shaw, which, which was done two or three weeks ago, confirmed anyway by Celtic. And then... Osaze Arogidi, we signed today. Yes, William, banged it out the first try. Yes. Love it. We signed, we signed him today on a four-year contract. That's kind of Postacoglu's first signing in regards to player-wise. He's come in for a cross-border compensation fee, probably around 200, 300k. And it seems to be, John, that it's fitting the model of Bandham Young development and trying to get a fee. Do you think that's the type of model that Sally are going back to? Now, by all accounts, the guy, he does look like he's, he's a monster. Like He looks like a tank, to be fair. And he plays centre back, and I think he can play right back as well. So, are you excited by him? What's your vibe from it? I mean, I don't know personally. Uh, I've heard his name, but I, I I don't know too much about him. Um, what I will say is, as I have sort of read uh, through various different outlets, that uh, we weren't the only club watching him. There was other massive clubs: Sporting, Lisbon, Benfica, 
uh, and other clubs like that were keeping tabs on him, uh, and we've managed to get him in. Now, you could say that it's one of these sort of sign them young, develop them, sell them on for profit. We've, we've spoken about this at length as well, about the, the kind of club that Celtic are, and we don't like it. We don't want to be seen as a selling club, and um, but we need to be realistic as well, um, because it was the same when we got the likes of Van Dijk in. It's, we knew as soon as we saw Van Dijk starting to play, he wasn't going to stay with us because bigger clubs were going to be coming after him. We saw the same with Musa and everybody else. And Musa's another perfect example of this guy, and I'm hoping that this boy is in a similar vein. If you remember, we got Musa for, essentially it was a free transfer and it was a cross-border fee, was all we paid for him. Um, he came in straight into the first team and became a a cult hero, essentially, at Celtic. And still to this day, Celtic fans love him, um, despite the fact that he's moved on. Um, but he'd done a job for us the time we was here. We loved him. Uh, but it was a similar situation. So I don't think this boy's age uh, and the fact we've got him in a free for this club necessarily means that he's a development sort of project. Um, but I'm hoping, like you mentioned, he, he looks a player. He's, he's a big guy. Uh, he's solid. And the fact that he was being scouted by massive clubs as well shows obviously there's more than just does see potential in them so I'm kind of hoping that it, it turns out to be fruitful for us and if that means in a couple of years time uh, that we sell them on and we make a bit of money for them then so be it again we need to be realistic about the nature of things especially in the modern market but like I said as long as he gives everything 100% in that jersey uh, when he steps on the park I'll be happy yeah I mean I, I have tried to look at certain videos of him playing and again YouTube makes a player look world class no matter what it is he seems quick he seems strong Anthony he seems like he, he likes a tackle and in his Celtic interview for the TV channel he did say that for the Celtic fans they expect crunching tackles someone who's going to give the all for the shirt and again that's what we want and Postacoglu alluded to the fact that the reason he wanted to sign the felt that this guy was because he did he was excited to join Celtic he actually wanted to come to the club so is that is that a good sign for yourself Going forward, in terms yeah. of the signing, yeah, yeah, I, th- I, I think it is. He's obviously, like you say, he's excited and, and wants to be here. And Ange has made it quite clear that he will only um, deal with players or or keep players at the club or sign players that are fully committed and that want to be here. And the more committed players you have out on the pitch, and the fact that you know, touching wood, that we get as many fans, hopefully, capacity. Um, back in the stadium as soon as possible around the start of the season um, it means that for me things are only going in the right direction um, I, I, I can't pretend to know too much about him like, similar to what John says um, I, I, I don't follow I, I watch some of the Premier League um, if I've got some spare time but you know the lower leagues in England I, I tend not to, to watch too much unless I'm waiting on a particular one to uh, win me some money off my sky bet but um, yeah, but you know, but by all accounts, a record of, of signing guys from uh, those leagues is is pretty impressive when when you when you actually look at it. So he's you know he's got one of the best cha- one of the best chances in football you could ever hope to have um, a, a Celtic team that needs to prove a lot uh, to its supporters this season. If he does the business this year, uh, he'll go down in history. Yeah, I mean, another thing as well for people to check out who's listening, he does have a YouTube channel, his own personal YouTube channel, where he does workouts and it shows the kind of day-to-day life of a footballer, which is quite interesting. But coming to yourself, William, that's Liam Shaw and 
uh, Arogidi sign that I said. See, I keep forgetting sometimes, but I'm getting there. That that simple sign from Sheffield Wednesday and our first preseason game, funny enough, is against them. It, it could be quite a taste of the game by all accounts. But what what what's your opinion on this? Do you think that it's just the way, as the guys alluded to, that Celtic can have to operate now in terms of transfer fees going forward? We did do that model quite recently, but kind of scrapped it, especially last season, banned, banned the players like five million and stuff. Are you happy enough going down this road again? Mm, yes and no. Um we're far too positive today. I'm going to bring it down a bit, I think. Uh, <laughs> see, see, to be honest with you, when I seen the news today that he signed, I was massively underwhelmed. I've, n- I've never heard of him before today. What's uh, his name, William? Oh, uh, <laughs> let's just pass that. Origidi. <laughs> I'm actually so disappointed because I was expecting you to come and just fumble it all night, but you've actually nailed it every time. I'm actually really, really disheartened. <laughs> Anyway. I'm actually taking full credit for that as well. <laughs> yeah, so you should do it. Um, <laughs> aye, so looking at yeah, I mean, he's he's only 19, 20 years old, and he, by looking into, he's made 20, 20 appearances, albeit uh, I, I know Sheffield Wednesday are in a bit of predicament uh, financially, and um, their hands being dealt, they, they had to play these these types of guys, but. I mean that's that's obviously valuable experience in a in a massive league. Let's like, let's not get away from it. The championships, one of the English championships, one of the biggest leagues in world football. Um, the, the money they generates massive amounts. Um, so that's all positive. And uh, yeah, it's a young prospect, and he could have a sell-on fee. But I just always think to the players, like just off the top of my head, in recent memory, like them. Uh, Benu, the midfielder we got, he was meant to be yeah. the next big thing. He went on loan to several clubs and I think we've sold him now. The likes of Luca Connell who's came in. I'm hoping he gets a run on his side, but again, he's another one that's this is the this is the future and we can sell them on. We've not we've not seen a peep of them. Um again you keep hearing about these great prospects and we've all had debates about it over and over again. Great prospects, but they're not they can't be that great if they're not getting a run on the side. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping to God that he's, um, it's he's it's going to be a positive signing and he's he's going to hit the ground running. But my first thought was, well, we've got another Benio, we've got another, uh, another Luca Connell, or I mean, there's hundreds you can go by. Obviously, they're not all going to work out. Every signing's uh, not definitely not going to work out. So, uh, but my first instinct was, I was a bit underwhelmed. And also yeah. the fact that it's obviously been happening behind the scenes before Postacoglu's came in. I think his statement himself said that the, the Celtic have been looking at him, and I got to have a, a chat with him. So I, I think we can. I think it's fair to say that it's not Angie's yeah. signing, along with Shaw. So oh. with all that added, thrown into the mix, it kind of, like I said, underwhelming is the, the the overriding sense, the overriding feeling I get. Saying that, we're playing Sheffield Wednesday, so we'll probably get to see our first eleven for next year because it seems like we're just signing the whole squad. Uh, <laughs> so, aye, hopefully he comes in and does the job, but I'm hoping we're going to... Like, I would be more excited with the, with the, the Croatian boy that we're, that we're in for. He seems to be a good pedigree and he's, he's playing at a decent level. So, uh, hopefully we push on and spend a bit more money. Um, but again, saying that, we spent a bit of money last year and we all know how that worked out. So, uh, nothing's a guarantee... Uh, and I think that as the model, we're we're going to like Mackay's always talking about looking at the likes of even Dortmund and and Ajax and Co. And that's exactly what they do. 
they bring these young players in. And Dortmund, Dortmund do it to an ex, an extreme. They pay massive amounts of money for like global wonder kids and sell them on for even more masses amounts of money. Um, but these guys seem to be that like the Dortmund scouting system must is just second to none. It must be one of the up there with one of the, some of the best clubs in the world. The, the players they've turned out are incredible. And then that goes back to Stephen, what you're talking about um, with our, our view and, and what we're going to do in the future. And it seems like we've not even our scouting departments. We've got next to nobody left, have we? The head, of, uh, the head is. Uh, they're up. Like aye, everybody's gone. So, um, yeah, aye, underwhelmed. But <laughs> let's see what happens. I think to be fair, William, I come to yourself, John, for this one because you made a great point, and I was going to actually set up before we moved on. Posta Coglu did say in his like statement, obviously signing the player, that Celtic have been tracking him for a while, which indicates to me that this isn't Posta Coglu's signing. And also, when the, I don't know if you guys picked up on as well, in the TV interview, Celtic TV interview, the, the, I think it was Jerry McCulloch said to him, how did you feel when Posta Coglu met you in London? So this has been going on way back since he attended the, the England and Scotland game with Dominic Mackay. But William is right. Does that concern you that the fact that it seems like they're working off old lists. And this is what we alluded to last week, but even more so now, because we may be reading too far into it. But again, it's a valid thing that William said. I mean, yeah, no, it absolutely is. Uh, it's certainly a valid point. Um, but, I mean, if, if, you, if you've if you got scouts in that in the club still, and, and they've been tracking players, and you want to take information for them which, as soon as you come in, I'm, I'm, I have absolutely no doubt that I just spoke to these guys and then said, right, so what's been happening and they've had a discussion about it and then they've said as well there's a certain amount of players because I suspect that happens in any club. Um, ultimately I still believe Ange had a final say in whether or not we're bringing them in which is why Ange wanted to speak to him directly. Ange has obviously had a conversation with him. Ange alluded to as well uh, in, the, in previous uh, interviews and that, that he's had and stuff like that. If these players aren't cutting it and they're not buying into the way he wants to play football they're not going to feature so if he's met with Ange and he's had this discussion with him, I think Ange is, in, in essence, he's, he's obviously been presented with a guy and then says, well, here's one guy we've been tracking for some time. And then Ange has been like, right, well, I want to talk to him. I want to have a word with him, see what he's like. And Ange, is, he's, he's bought anyway what Ange is saying because I think this, I think Ange ultimately made the final, he had the final word. Um, I don't think the, 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 we signed him behind Ange's back now that he's in the door. Um, especially when you're hearing that he did meet him. So, no, it, it doesn't, I'm not going to spend too much time dwelling on stuff like that because I think ultimately anybody we bring in for this point forth uh, is on Ange's say so, um, yeah. regardless of whether of no, it's an old list or no. But Ange's obviously going to want to, he's only just got in here uh, and he comes for a different market altogether. So, he's going to want to take the knowledge for some of the scouts and everything else and players that we've been obviously tracking and everything. Why wouldn't you? I mean, it, it seems like a logical thing to do, especially when we're in the position that we're in. So, nah, I'm not going to look too deep into it. See, so just to add to I, that as well, like, there's, um, I touched on that on Tuesday as well. Like, these guys aren't necessarily going to walk straight into the team. And the turnover in their squad this year is going to be fairly big. And I felt like we were, well, it was glaringly obvious last year that we were, we were very short in certain areas. So, like I say, I touched on it on Tuesday. We we do need more depth in the squad. So, like I don't mind these signings coming in, and with youth on their side and their prospects, then like it's just, I can totally understand. And see for the the fee as well. The fee is peanuts. 
So mm-hmm. from that sense, then it could it, obviously it's, it can be a no-brainer. Um, I just I don't know why it was underwhelming. Maybe just because there's been so much excitement with Ange and stuff coming in, I'm just expecting to have some sort of name that I know, <laughs> a yeah, player no, that well, I've heard of. I mean, you can also allude to the fact that Messi's out of contract at Barcelona. Eh, maybe. <laughs> no, but come with the, yourself, Anthony, here. Obviously, the guys are going over the fact that it could be... I mean, John's right. He wasn't saying behind Anza's back. That's and that's a definite, because Postacoglu went to meet the fella, and he must have made a good impression. And obviously, he's seen the videos that are the databases that the scouts have. So are you concerned at the fact that maybe this wasn't a kind of first pick Postacoglu signing off his sheet that he made? I know we keep talking about Chiefs, but it's just obviously references to scouting and stuff. But are you concerned about that fact? Or are you just kind of like, it's a, as William said there, kind of beefing up the squad a bit as well? Yeah, I think it's just another body in the door. And as as, as John says, although it's maybe someone we've been tracking for a while, um, the fact that they, they met up uh, down in London suggests to me that this is um, this signing's been made with the full backing uh, of the manager. So, yeah, I'm, I'm totally reiterate and I'll second what John uh, John's views on that. Yeah, no, that, that's brown. So it is, and the fact as well, what, what we're seeing more and more so, especially with Celtic producing like clips of training, like Postecoglou is putting a stamp on the team. We're seeing Liam Shaw come out and say the training's been hard, it's been fast, it's been intense, and that's what you kind of want to hear. And it brings me on to the fact that today we did see that Lee Griffiths signed a new one-year extension. The Celtic have took up the option to keep Lee Griffiths among much speculation yesterday which was Wednesday, that he deleted all notion in terms of following Celtic on whether it be Twitter or Instagram profile. So coming to your, yourself, John, first for this, the Lee Griffiths thing. Now, I've been very clear. I did not think he deserved it. I still don't think he deserved it. I think for me, it's papering up the cracks. And as William said, it's another body we get to keep. But again, it's a body we get to keep on God knows how much he's getting a week in terms of his wage and if he's going to be fit. I mean, by all accounts, we've been sitting here in January again with all you guys on saying, why is the Giffords not fit and available? It's kind of the, the risk here, isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, anything's a risk, really, uh, if you think about it. We, I mean, nothing's for certain. Uh, do I think he, he deserved another chance? Absolutely. We know how good he is when he's, when he's, on, uh, when he's on his game. And like, we, we've constantly said it. He, tell me a better natural finisher in Scotland um, when they're on form. The guy is capable of scoring barrel loads of goals, right? And that in itself is something to remember. If he, and he's obviously had conversations with Ange, if he's buying into this and Ange has got him training a certain way, he's going to get himself up to fitness. Ange isn't going to stand for any carry on. And we'll see over the course of the season if he features, uh, if we start seeing him playing games and he's featuring in these games, we know he's pulling his weight. We know he's putting the work in on the training ground. If, if no, then again we can continue to to sort of uh, just sort of assume that he, he's no doing what he needs today. In regards to we don't know how much since you mentioned there how much he's on. Uh, we actually what it looks like to me is uh, we had the option to trigger uh, another year extension, um, which ultimately would mean he was on the same wage. We actually it seems like we let that run out, and then he's been re-signed on another year deal. A twelve-month deal, which could ultimately mean that he's maybe taking a cut in his pay. That's um, a great point, mate. That's a great that's, point. That's, that's, that's a great point to be fair. Uh, and if if that is the case, then it shows how much Lee uh, Griffiths is willing to put the time and work in. He's betting on himself 
to put the work in, and he's putting faith in Ange, and Ange is putting faith in him. And he's obviously, he, he, I can't imagine that Griffiths didn't have opportunity to go elsewhere. I, I suspect other clubs in Scotland were probably looking at him and were ready to pounce. But the fact he's bought into this, and like I says, he could have done it on a New Year deal, cut price, and he's wanting to prove himself and prove to the club and prove to the fans that everything that's been said about him has been shite, which, if you believe what's been said, could well be. Uh, so I think it remains to be seen, but I think he deserves a chance, absolutely. And we're the we're we're going to benefit it more. I would much rather see them at Celtic scoring goals than playing for the likes of Hibs or Aberdeen and then rattling them in against us. Um, yeah. And this thing, by the way, can I, I just want to say this as well. See about the the stuff about he removed Celtic for all his Instagram and things like that. He never had Celtic on there. He's never had it. So that is again just. Shows the power of social media. Somebody says something about, oh, he's done this. People go and check, see that it's no there. And then saying, oh, he's, he's followed Celtic again. It's like he never unfollowed Celtic. He never had Celtic on his Instagram and things like that. So it's all shite. And, and I, people need to stop believing everything they fucking read. I think it was more so, mate, the, the fact that he's been posting videos at Celtic's training ground with full Celtic gear on for the last four five weeks and then this post was in a random gym I don't know if it's his own gym and it was only Scotland gear he was wearing I think that and, and the timing of it just raised a few eyebrows I think somebody like you says he could have a home gym he could be working with other people um, we know he's been back and training um, earlier than most uh, like you says he's, he's been posting a lot of stuff training in the Celtic gear but there's nothing wrong with him posting stuff in his own gear uh, and he's in gym or working with other people because it shows A, his commitment to getting himself fit and B, it's it's gave somebody's obviously created, fabricated this story it's gave them the opportunity to jump on it and then just fabricate this absolute pish and then people have bought into it and then they're starting to say oh, he doesn't, if he doesn't want to be like, it just creates mere discontent within the club and I hate that because you're creating something out of nothing and certain fans are going to believe it and they're going to turn against them for it. They're like, oh, you've removed Celtic for your profile. You don't deserve to be here. You're not wearing Celtic colours. You don't deserve to be... Because people are that fickle, let's be honest. And people are going to be that gullible and they'll believe everything they read, but I can assure you, and I know this for a fact because in recent months I've been checking Lee's Instagram and his training videos and that. He's never had Celtic on his profile that he played for Celtic or anything like that. It's his own social media thing. It's, it's always just been his. And he's never unfollowed Celtic either. That's nonsense. Yeah. So just I mean, be careful you, you, what you believe. You made some great points. I mean, I bought that hook, line and sinker. Like, I really did because I thought that was the end of Lee Griffiths to Celtic and not in a harsh way. I just thought maybe he's went, this is enough for me and he's going to find a new club. But coming to yourself, Anthony, an actual fact, the first signing of the post Cogley era, as John alluded to, was Lee Griffiths. Um, do you think he deserved to be re-signed at Celtic? Uh, yeah, I, I, I do. I mean, I obviously was listening to you guys last week and sort of, I take all the arguments against them being given the contract because I think we were all um, sort of, of of all the things that annoys me, uh, has annoyed me recently with, with regards to Neil Lennon's outbursts on the, the Euros podcast. One of the things that I, I do agree, I shared his uh, fury with was uh, Griffith's conditioning coming back for lockdown. I can, I can, you can totally understand why he would be furious. Um that being said, there's you know there's a lot of questions that have been 
asked about Lee Griffiths over the years. One of the questions that's, that's never been asked is, has he got the ability to score goals? Because it, it, his goal-scoring record speaks for itself. And as John says, I'd, I'd rather have him in green and white hoops scoring goals rather than, than the colours of any other team in Scotland. Um, and it's, I think it's purely, I think Ross nailed it last week when he says it's just it's the circumstances that we're in at the point at this point, we're, we're fast approaching, uh, well, essentially pre-season's already started, you know, the, the boys that aren't on international duty are already in training. We've got games coming up, we've got the qualifiers on the horizon, the, the start of the new season itself is only, you know, four Saturdays away. Um, and, you know, there's going to, in that time, there's going to be lots of if, buts, whens and maybes with regards to comings and goings with, with players, obviously. In that department, Edwards, the the big one. What what will happen uh, one way or the other? Um, so having a focused, uh, fit, and hungry Lee Griffiths in your squad, going trying to build some momentum in a very crucial point of the season. Um, I, I can completely understand why Celtic were keen to, to to keep him for another year. As I say, it might well be that this time next year it, it does come to its its natural end, but. As John alluded to as well, he's no doubt will have spoken to the new manager. Maybe he's you know buying into this vision, and uh, and if you can get the wee man to screw the nut and do his talking on the pitch, then it's only going to be us that reaps the rewards. I really have no idea what's happened to us as a podcast. We are talk- we are far too positive to find everything. <laughs> the postocoglu effect is. <laughs> Well, come with, the, come with the yourself, William. I mean, do you back up what the guy say here about Lee Griffiths? 100% positivity all the way. I am <laughs> I am, and always have been the, the biggest Lee Griffiths fan. I know there was a bit of um, a kind of uh, torn supporters when he first signed, but there's no doubt, everybody's in agreement, there's no doubt in his ability. And I just, you've seen it with the, the some of the greatest players in world football, just sometimes under certain managers, whether it be their style of play, their personalities clash, whatever that may be, they just don't perform. Uh, under Ronnie, he was unplayable, and I think it's because Ronnie put his faith in him. And I think he needs to be, he needs to feel loved, in a sense. Um, I understand what's happened over the past few years, and and if we did let him go, I would have, I would have no arguments. Uh, I've said it myself that you know what maybe his time had come but like Tony was alluding to Ross and Franny have both said it they've both um, they've both commented on guys when all these guys that are commenting on our Twitter feeds which is great uh, and alluding to the fact that it's the circumstances we're in and the situation we're in uh, if Eddie goes we've, we've only got a Yeti really um, so for me it's a no brainer to get him to sign on for another year, especially if it's John made a great point that the fact that they've let the contract run out, it seems like it's not the extension. It's maybe maybe more so he's taken a cut. Uh, and Franny on the last podcast, I thought made an excellent point as well with regards to that. If it is the case, they could make it like a performance based um, pay and, and and on appearances and goals and whatnot. Uh, he is without doubt the best finisher in Scotland on his day. And every time he's been knocked down, the way he has fought back is by showing it on the pitch and doing what he does best. And I really, really believe, I'm so hopeful 
and I believe that he's going to get back in this team. Andrew's going to give him one of these big cuddles I keep talking about, and he's just going to he's he's going to score goals for fun. And uh, I, I, I honestly I can't wait for preseason to start because I'm hoping he's going to he's coming back and he's he's looking trim and and sharp. And it's going to, if he does, it's going to be like a new signing for us because. I mean, He's not shown it the last couple of years, and uh, I just, I, I honestly just think it's a no-brainer, uh, and I'm, I'm really excited to see what he's going to do. I'll, I'll make a prediction now, Willie. So, sorry, Stephen, I'll be, I'll be really, really quick. I'm going to make a prediction right now. He'll be in Steve Clark's Scotland squad for the September games for the World Cup qualifiers. That's my prediction now. That's, I mean, that's fair enough. If, as you say, like he is the best finisher in Scotland, and, and if we're honest here, William. The reason why you're buzzing so much is because of the prediction you made on the last show. I know, I thought it was done. I thought he was away and I thought, oh, I've just made a stupid prediction on hundreds of people are listening in and I've said he's going to be a top goal scorer next year and he's away because he's wearing a Scotland strip in his own gym. And it might well could happen, boys. And just to briefly round up the show, just to touch up on like the, the outgoings and summer rumours about incomings, come to yourself, Anthony, here. You mentioned Edward. That's the big kind of the big carrot at the, at the minute, isn't it? And there's a lot of speculation that the reason this deal to Leicester fell through was the, the sell-on clause or a Rogers tax. Uh, some people have named it. And I don't know how, how this works. I know John has, has a gauge on it, but I'll, I'll come to yourself anyway, first, Anthony. This sell-on clause is 50%. It's either 50% of the profit or 50% of any fee. And there is speculation that Edward is considering running down his contract at Celtic. What scenario would you be happy with? The, I mean, if he's then on a seat, you want them to be committed, don't you? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I, I, I was under the impression, and John might be able to correct me. I, I thought it was forty percent of any fee, not necessarily a, a profit. But I'm, I'm, don't quote me a hundred percent on that because I'm, well, I'm no, not. No, my, my understanding as well, mate, is you're right. It was forty percent any fee, um, right. which is why people were saying it had to be considered we paid. What we did from nine million, whatever it was, that in order to recoup a decent profit off them, um, you're almost giving up half. So it's you'd have to sell them for decent money, which in in this instance isn't going to be the case. So ultimately, I think the Leicester deal where it was reported that could potentially meant that it would have been at a loss. Yeah, well, in in that case, then it it, it may well be the case that perhaps the the club that in it, we don't know. There's not really any club out there that he's got like a natural sort of, you, you obviously can see him, you could see him at Leicester, um, but then again, it's, you know, it's not, him and Brendan weren't exactly, you know, bosom buddies. So you, you don't, you, there's not like a 100% and that's where they would go either. Um, with regards to what scenario I'd prefer, what I'm enjoying, is that more of an umbrella thing, Stephen, not just with the Edward deal, but with IR as well. Um, there's, been and again I know it's just rumours, but you know there's been quite strong hints that there has been offers made, uh, or, or or at least at the very least serious inquiries being made about these guys, and Celtic are not going to be pushed around on what uh, fee they deem acceptable, which is absolutely the way I want them to to to, to act. I, I accept that these guys may well and probably at this point will go in this window, but it'll be on our terms uh, when when we determine it. These guys are still under contract at Celtic and they've got a, a duty to, you know, do their job uh, whenever they're asked to by the by the manager. Um, 
I mean, it could end up being a, a crazy scenario where we do lose Eddie next year for nothing. But if him and Lee were to, you know, get that forum back, that partnership that they had that was uh, so fruitful for us, um, you know, season and a half ago now, um, they, you know, they seem to really bring out the best in each other. If you had the two of them flying on forum, you know, it could end up being, a, a, you know, a, a really good year at a point where we just assume all these guys are going. Um, so, yeah, so it's all point. My, my biggest caveat would say that we absolutely have to keep Cal McGregor uh, at all costs. Um, I, I, you know, Ayer and Edward and who's the, and, and Ryan Christie as well, I think we're, we don't, it's not that we're, we're looking, counting down the days to the leave or anything like that, but I think we've, we've came to the, you know, we've accepted the fact that these guys aren't going to be around much longer. But I think, and, and I know a lot of people sort of say, oh, Callum, he's not the, you know, a, a natural leader or anything like that. But I think those, I think that, that kind of caveat of, of, you know, what makes a, a natural leader and all that, a lot of those sort of theories have, have long been quashed. Um, anyone can be a leader. Um, and not everyone's got all different uh, ways um, of, of showing leadership. I think, I, and I accept that perhaps it's maybe best for just to try, let, try and let him get back into some sort of forum. But if I'm if if it was up to me, I would give him the captaincy tomorrow. I I, I really do see Callum McGregor as, as a Celtic captain. I think he speaks well in front of the media. I think he, he gets the club. He's learned under one of our most successful captains and, and Scott Brown, obviously a different type of player. And also, perhaps just as importantly, he's now reaching what I would deem his, his peak years. So if if we can keep McGregor, get the wee man fit up front and uh, make sure our want-away stars known that we hold the cards. Um, I'm like Willie, I've been drinking the Kool-Aid of optimism, man. I cannot wait for this new season. <laughs> no, that's, that's a great point. I mean, as you said there, McGregor, he's a player who leads by example on the pitch, not really shouting or shouting instructions, but you can look up to him the way he trains, the way he plays, and he never hides. And that's what you need at Celtic, a player who always wants to be on the ball. And granted, Anthony, to be fair, we have to be honest there, last season, I mean, he wasn't great. He wasn't spectacular. But watching him at the Euros there for Scotland, the two games he played in, I thought he was fantastic. But coming to yourself, John, here in regards to Edward and Anthony Tusson and a few other players, now, you have a gauge in this. You know about the, the sell-on clauses and our sell-on percentage anyway. What's the best scenario here for Celtic going forward? Because Leicester one's dead. I think they've signed a striker at £23 million. So I don't yeah. think he's going that time soon. So what would you do if, if you had the cards here? Um, so if it was me, um, I'd be assuming that obviously he's had this conversation with Ange. Um, if Ange can get him to buy into it uh, and then see, play another year, um, you, you, you obviously uh, you potentially risk losing him for absolutely nothing at the end of the season. Uh, but you're going to try and get drill it into his head that if he could end up at any club he wants, really. Um, bigger clubs in Leicester could potentially be looking at him if, if he get back to his best form uh, and he starts scoring the, the way he did a number of years ago. Um, I myself would personally be having a chat with him and then obviously making him aware of this. Um, because if he underperforms this season and he's on a free, he, he could end up some, well, I mean, number of places he could end up, but I don't think any of them would appeal to him. Um, but I would, I would even, I would even propose try to get him on another deal, and then if he gets back to his best, then you're in a position where you can make considerable profit back off him. Uh, and if no, 
Uh, he's guaranteed football for at least another couple of years, and he's putting himself in the shop one day. So he's, a, he's still a young guy, um, and it, 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 it's a no-brainer for me that if he wants to guarantee himself a regular football, European football, and sort of putting his name back on everybody's radar, so to speak, then hashing out another deal with him certainly doesn't seem too far-fetched, and it benefits us long-term as well, as well as him. Um, so that's my position on Edward. I mean, as it stands, uh, if if we don't do anything about it, we're losing them. It's nine million down the drain, really, because we've no recouped any of that, um, and we've no gained nothing off it. Well, other than obviously the years that he's put in, but um, selling them, as I say, it looked likely that if that Leicester deal went through, we would would have been likely at a loss. Um, so, and I mean, it, it just to be, I think everybody's got they're going to have their own opinions on that, but I personally, that would be mine personally. Um, I've not heard any other clubs linked with him either, so it's it's entirely possible we're at least going to hear him for another year. Um, but if that is the case, uh, and Ange can have a word with him, then why not try and just get him on another couple of years and then see what he says. Uh, as I say, is you're still then he's still got a platform uh, and he's still putting his name in the short window, so to speak, uh, if he really wants to, to to move on and play in a bigger league, uh, whatever the case may be. Uh, in terms of Ayer, again, all paper talk I've heard, I've not heard anything concrete. You hear names being linked with so-and-so. Uh, he has come out and said, apparently, that he, he is looking for a move again. This was uh, all prior to Ange coming in and, them, and having a conversation. Um, we... we uh, Postacoggle, yeah, and, and so we don't know what the what the situation might be. Um, again, he could have a chat with Ange and then decide he'll, he'll stay another couple of years. He'll see, he's, like, we don't know um, what's happening, uh, and until we actually see it concrete that pe- people have left, I'm I'm optimistic that these guys are going to stay. Uh, and I agree with Anthony fully in terms of McGregor. I think he's the man to take us forward in terms of the captaincy. Um, he knows the club and, and all that, and, and he leads by example, as you mentioned. So um, that's where we stand. But as far as I'm concerned, at this current point in time, the 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 guys that we've got in the club at the minute are still going to be here next year. Uh, it just really depends on what the conversation is ha- taking place between them and Ange, etc., uh, and what the what if they're bought in here and, and if they're willing to they sort of continue playing if, if that makes sense um yeah because I, I feel like these guys have uh, all this wanting to leave and and everything else was born of the, the the sort of discontent around the club last season and and the way things were being run because it seemed a bit of a mess but it looks like it's starting to stabilize we've got a guy in who's passionate about the club and wants to take it forward he's got his always in ideas and everything else so i'm sure that, the, that these guys are like what they're hearing uh, and i'd like to think that um, they're going to get another go. Yeah, no, I totally agree. What about yourself, William? Where are you standing on the Edward situation? Yeah, similar. I, I think it all, like John mentioned it there, I think it all comes down to whatever the, the conversation is between him himself and the manager. If he doesn't want to be here, then let him go. I'd be quite happy to see him run out his contract. By the sounds of things, um, he's in his last year, so he's not going to. We're not going to make much money on him, and the money we do make is going to be punted back to his old club so if if his heart's in it I'd keep him for a year and maybe let him run his contract out if not catch you Eddie thanks for the memories but if you don't want to be here anymore I've always said that 
don't care how good you are. If you don't want to play for this wonderful club, then then away you go. Uh, aye. <laughs> no, that, I mean, <laughs> it's a horrible, is it? Because the whole the contract situation, the sell-on clause, it adds all different factors. And as John said, the, the maybe most valuable option would be there to get a new contract in and maybe do it with the dead of fire. I know we don't like saying it, but make a promise to him that next summer or the, the transfer window in the winter time, he could be sold if the right bid comes in. Do you know what I mean? I think that's what they told Ayer last year, though. That's the problem. He yeah. came out and said that himself. They told him last year, we'll let you go at the end of this year. So, I mean, unless we'll, we'll unless, you, unless you insert like some sort of minimum fee release clause that if a bid yeah. comes in, then they've got to go for that. You know, there's there's plenty of options there. Um, yeah. So, if that's the route they want to go down, then I can understand that. But my, my whole view on it is... It's only if they want to be here and they want to buy into Angie's uh, philosophy. And and to be fair, from everything you're hearing from Big Angie's self, if they're not interested, then he'll be the first one to show them the door. So, Yeah, 100%. I, mean, I think you guys made great points. And just briefly, the touch on <clears throat> potential incomings, alongside the signing of Origini today and Liam Shaw, there has been rumours. The latest one, not the Fuscafids, was, was kind of latter, like last week. And then now it's Moy. He's linked at a four million price tag. He's played in China for Shanghai, and he's thirty years old. Anthony, would you say that represents a good bit of business? I know Armoy has previous with Postecoglou in the Australian national team, but do you think four million for a thirty-year-old is a wee bit too much, or would you get on board with that if it was the the right time anyway? Obviously, there's not going to be much of a sort of set of there won't be any resale value for a for a thirty-year-old for that price. But having said that. You know, this is about just getting the right back on the on the horses as it as it is, and you know, just trying to try to build for something a bit longer term. So, if this guy was able to come in even for a season or two, get our league title back, get us straight back into the Champions League, then that feel more than uh, repay itself. And if he's trusted by uh, Postecoglou, then yeah, uh, it's it, it could end up being although it's a big outlay it could end up being a bit of a bargain. Mm. I know you're I know yourself, William, as well. You said that you were excited by the, the potential of Fiscovich, but again, that rumours went quiet. And again, we haven't yeah. seen anything to say that it's still not happening. Maybe it's there's talk still ongoing. But again, the sign of the defender today, so you don't know if Celtic have took the cheap option again. You, ne- you never really know with Celtic, but Aramoy is the latest guy linked. And he, as Anthony said there, four million pounds is a big outlay. But if if he comes in and he is trusted by Postacoglu, then that could represent a good bit of business, couldn't it? Uh, I'm not so sure, to be honest with you. Um, it's a lot of money, uh, and it, I would maybe be more so pushed if it was in a position that we were looking for, but I feel like we're pretty stacked in there. Uh, I think you're, you're, you will, McGregor and Turnbull, you're putting in the middle of the part and building the whole team around them. Yeah. Uh, for me... You've got the likes of Sorrow there, uh, Rogic also. I would, I would much prefer we gave the likes of Luca Connell uh, game time than spending that amount of money, vast amounts of money on a player at that age. Like, like Tony said, you're not going to get a sell on. You're not going to make any profits on him. Like, like uh, I know a few years back when Brighton came up, he he, he looked to business. I know I'm watching him in the Premier League, and I know in that Championship year they came up, he was he was fantastic but I just feel like we're, we're okay in that area we've still got Christie as well obviously uh, mm-hmm. and and Rogic has got his ties 
with Big Ange. I'm hoping to see a big season from him. So, like I say, if it was a, a, a big striker or, or a centre-half and we're putting that outlay in and, and he was of age but he had that experience, then I would say, you know what, it's maybe a good shout. But I feel like we're, we're so stacked in that area. I don't... I, like, I wouldn't say he was any better than, like, in Cham, who we've just let go or, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, for me, I would I would try to air away from that. Uh, uh, I would more, like, I would look to be spending that money more in areas that were needing it, like a right-back or, or a centre-half. No, great shout. By the way, William, with Luke O'Connell, I really do hope to see more of him in the summer. Yeah, I really, really want to see more of him this year. Yeah, I mean, he, he, by all counts, he looks like a cracking player. But what about yourself, John? RMI, good bit of business? Yes, no? What are you thinking? Uh, I, I agree with William. Um, I, I appreciate, obviously, what Anthony says. And like he says, if, if he can come in and do a job, then uh, that feel more than repay for itself. But there is no resale value on him, etc. And like William said, I, I agree that it's at one position or area in the team that's actually uh, no needed much strengthening, if at all. Um, we've got talent there. Um, and there's other other areas that that require to to, to players to be bought in and, and depth to be added. So, uh, yeah, now nah, for me, uh, it doesn't. No, Sam, I'm excited by. Uh, I'd much prefer the focus to be on 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 somebody else. Uh, I seen that the the Rossi deal uh, looks like it's fallen through because I think he's opted to go to uh, Shaktas for um, on a permanent move as well. Uh, the Vuskovic thing, I'm hoping. That something comes to that again. It looks like their pre-season started, and he he's kind of just focused on that at the minute from what I'm from what I'm seeing. Um, but again, it, it, it could take time to get that out of the line. Um, just hoping it's done relatively quickly. And there's there's a host of other names we've been linked to as well. Um, some of them seem alright. Other ones people have never heard of. And other ones that don't necessarily interest me, but. Uh, I uh, like they like to say like Baldock. I'd like to uh, know that Rossi the deals fell through. Baldock is obviously one I think we should be sort of pursuing and getting that over, over the line because I think he'll definitely uh, add add to that. Um, so yeah, that's that's my feelings on it. I think like, over the next fortnight or so, there's going to be an influx of players coming in. Yeah. Um, I'd like, like to think so. And like John, you said you always talked about when with the manager situation, every man and a dog is going to be linked to us. And it seems like this whole Australian link just keeps coming back, your Moyes and all the rest of them. Uh, saying that, the boy that's came in the day, there was no, there was no um, nothing in the water saying that he was going to be he was going to be coming in. So, um, but I think over the next fortnight or so, we're going to see we're going to see big moves. Uh, it seems like Angie and Mackay are, are are working their socks off. So hopefully we see some some signings getting made shortly. I definitely, and in regards to Fiskovic, does the end anyway? He 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 literally scored there for Hadzik Split in their last game. I think it was a, a penalty he scored. So uh, again, we do hope there is something kind of in that deal. And that brings us to the end of the podcast and what has been really an in-depth show. I've really enjoyed it. And to end it again on on a light note, we're going to bring back the quiz, and it's going to be the Champions League quiz again. I think that's just I think it's just great that different questions, different narratives, and that's going to be between William and Anthony. Are you guys ready? Okay. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, let's do it. Right. Pretty nice and straightforward to start off. Which team was the first from the UK to win the European Cup? Celtic. Celtic. William, heard you first. You ready for the second one? Yeah. Yeah. The Champions League has been won only once by a, by a team from Romania. Can you name them? 
Still Bucharest. Ah, good shout. That's one each. Liverpool have won six Champions Leagues and Manchester United have won three. But who are England's third most successful team in the competition? Chelsea. With two titles. Chelsea. Nope. Nottingham Forest. Chelsea, Nottingham. I've got two. Well, this must be an old quiz. I'm just going by what they say. <laughs> right? So I've got, Aston Villa. I'm giving, it, I'm giving it to Anthony. So he's right, got okay. it. Who is the Champions League top goal scorer of all time? Cristiano Ronaldo. Flea one and flea brings it home. Well done. Well done and mate. to be fair, that 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 question about well, uh, to be fair, uh, it's a, a, a few angry for Willie because he's he's true. Obviously, Chelsea have now won it twice <laughs> as well. Uh, but then well, again, I, they're Chelsea, so they, 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 we didn't we didn't really count them, <laughs> did we? Yeah, we just, I, I'm just going off the questions and answers that I'm seeing. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So right, yeah, that's fair enough, man. <laughs> fair enough. I'll be back. <laughs> And I, I did allude to it there. It was a really in-depth podcast. I enjoyed it. Have you enjoyed this one? Probably yeah, it's been good, absolutely. Yeah, As it's always, been, mate. Yeah, been good, Craig. Great to have you on. And to everyone who's listening, until we speak again, stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail.